We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It goes down. down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to Post-COVID-19. We turn our attention this time up to the audio press conference featuring Dr. Dan Erickson, who co-owns and serves as primary care physician in Bakersfield, California. On Monday, Dr. Erickson and his associate, Dr. Artin Masahi, gave a detailed conference on the reality facing Californians dealing with the coronavirus. This is not edited audio. It contains a 20-minute portion of a one-hour long audio. We should add that this comes from a video that was on YouTube and has since been removed by YouTube. This is probably the only audio of that event in existence. And it's important because these two doctors are reporting from the front lines of California dealing with the coronavirus. Mind you, we bring this to you on post-COVID-19 because, well, this brings up two key issues. The first is why these doctors were silenced since they clearly were not offering any disinformation. And two, if what they say is true, how long before the rest of America and even the world figures it out? Here now, Dr. Dan Erickson from Accelerated Urgent Care in Bakersfield, California, on post-COVID-19. We've really wanted to come together today and kind of just talk about what we've learned over the last couple months here at uh, Accelerated and really talk about what's happening in Kern County with our testing, what's happening in California with the testing, and kind of an an ER physician, entrepreneur perspective on what's going on, and uh, kind of what we think the approach should be going forward. And Dr. Masihi and myself have been dealing with this as you have. Um, I'm sure you guys are working from home. You're sheltering in place. You're isolating yourself. And uh, we want to talk about if that still makes sense. So we want to... We want to kind of uh, take everything we've learned and throw it against the backdrop of who we are. You know, we, we both have had extensive classes in microbiology and biochemistry and immunology. We've studied this for each of us 20 years, and we take everything that we're seeing today and we put that against that backdrop and say, does this make sense? Are we following the science? We keep hearing following the science. What, what, is, what is science, essentially? Um, it's the study of the natural world through experiment, through observation. So that's what we're doing. We're studying the disease around us. We're making observations. We're doing testing, experiments to figure out exactly what's going on. 
And so this has caused some severe disruption for Accelerated as we have people coming in 7 in the morning till midnight. We're reporting to the health department. We're calling patients back. And at the same time, our volumes have dropped significantly. Uh, the hospitals, uh, their ICUs are empty, essentially. And they're shutting down floors. They're furloughing patients. They're furloughing doctors. So the health system has been evacuated in certain places. In New York, the health system is working at maximum capacity. In California, we're really at a minimal capacity, getting rid of our doctors and nurses because we just don't have the volume. The hospitals don't, as I've met with our CEOs twice in the last week, and we don't as well. So we're busy with paperwork for COVID, and we're all focusing on COVID. And so one of the things I'd like to talk about is when I talk to ER physicians around the country, what's happening? Well, because COVID has become the focus, people with heart disease, people with cancer, hypertension, and various things that are critical are choosing not to come in based on fear. So what that's doing is causing the health system to focus on COVID and not focus on a myriad of other things that are critical because we don't have the staff there and major, the major component is fear. People are saying, I don't want to go get seen by my doctor. What if I get the COVID? So uh, there is a, a lot of secondary effects to COVID that aren't being talked about. And so we'd like to kind of look at how, the, how we responded as a nation and why we responded. Our first initial response two months ago was a little bit of fear. We decided to shut down travel uh, to and from China. These are good ideas when you don't have any facts. We decided to keep people at home and isolate them. Even though everything we've studied about quarantine, typically you quarantine the sick. When someone has measles, you quarantine them. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So some of these things, um, from what we've studied from immunology and microbiology, aren't really meshing with what we know as people of scientific minds that read this stuff every day. So that's kind of how we started. We don't know what's going on. We see this new virus. How should we respond? So we did that initially. And over the last couple months, we've gained a lot of data. Uh, typically in Kern County, for instance, our, we've tested 5,213 people, and we have 340 positive COVID cases. Well, that's 6.5% of the population, which would indicate that there is a widespread viral infection, similar to flu. We, we think it's, it's kind of ubiquitous throughout California. We're going to go over those numbers a little bit to kind of help you see how widespread COVID is and see how we should be responding to it based on its, its prevalence uh, throughout society or its, the existence of the cases that we already know about. So if we look at California, these numbers are from yesterday. We have 33,865 COVID cases out of a total of 280,900 total tested. That's 12% of Californians were positive for COVID. So we don't, the initial, as you guys know, the initial models were, were woefully inaccurate. They predicted millions of cases of death, not of, not of prevalence or incidence, but death. That is not materializing. What is materializing in the state of California is 12% positives. Well, if we, we have 39.5 million people. If we just take a basic calculation and extrapolate that out, that equates to about 4.7 million cases throughout the state of California, which means this thing is widespread. That's the good news. 
we've seen 1,227 deaths in the state of California with a possible uh, incidence or prevalence of 4.7 million. That means you have a 0.03 chance of dying from COVID-19 in the state of California. 0.03 chance of dying from COVID in the state of California. Is that, does that necessitate sheltering in place? Does that necessitate shutting down medical systems? Does that necessitate people being out of work? <clears throat> so that's, that's California. And that's, uh, I also wanted to mention that 96% of people in California who get COVID recover with almost no significant sequelae or no significant uh, continuing medical problems. So that's, that, those are important statistics for the state of California. Two months ago, we didn't know this. So I'm going to bring it to light now because we've, we're, we're sharing our own data. This isn't data filtered through someone. This is our own data. We found 6.5%, and then California has found 12%. So the more you test, the more positives you get. The, the prevalence number goes up, and the death rate stays the same. So it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And as we move through this data, what I want you to see is millions of cases, small amount of death. Millions of cases, small amount of death. And you will see that in every state. And, if we, and since we, we're talking about following the science, we're going to follow the statistics and follow the science. So I want to look at New York State. They've been in the news a lot, right? And their, their numbers are critical. Let's go over their numbers. Cases of COVID as of yesterday, 256,272 cases in New York State. Not New York City, New York, the entire state. They did a total of 649,325 tests. That's 39% of New Yorkers tested positive for COVID-19. That's their ratios. This is public data online. You can all look it up. 39% of people who were tested. 39% of, of the people were tested. Not 39% of New York State. Right. right. New York State, there's 20 million people there would be close to you know, 4 million. Which is likely, they likely have 7.5 million cases but in New York. I just want to get that clarification. Yeah. 39% of Right, so we extrapolate okay. data. Just, yeah, yeah, I just want to make that. We extrapolate data, we test people, and then we extrapolate for the entire community based on the numbers. The initial models were so inaccurate, they're but not even... That, but in those initial models, a lot of them were based off if we didn't know social distancing. Right. Correct? So is it really a fair to say, obviously they're not as bad as they were because those were based on alternative scenarios? And some of them were, were based on social distancing and still predicted hundreds of thousands of deaths, which has been inaccurate. So in New York, they, the ones they tested, they found 39% positive. So if that's indicative, and they tested 649,000 people, that's a massive test. That's accurate data, 39%. So if they tested the whole state, would we indeed have 7.5 million cases? We don't know. We will never test the entire state. So we extrapolate out. We use the data we have because it's the most accurate we have versus a predictive model that have been nowhere in the ballpark of accurate. So they, how many deaths do they have? 19,410 out of 19 million people, which is a 0.1% chance of dying from COVID in the state of New York. And they have a 92% recovery rate. If you are indeed diagnosed with COVID-19, 92% of you will recover. So we're seeing millions of cases, small amount of death. Millions of cases, small amount of death. And the reason I'm making that point is because we're going to compare this to flu and say, is this significantly different from influenza A and B? And if not, 
Why has our response been what it is? USA, this is, this is a big one for us. Um, 802,590 cases as of yesterday. We've tested over 4 million. If you guys have studied globally what's happening, that's double what any other country. Germany's at two. I, I realize their populations are lower, but the fact that we were able to ramp up and do 4 million is pretty impressive, which gives us a 19.6% positive out of those who were tested for COVID-19. So if, if, if this is a typical extrapolation, 328 million people times 19.6 is 64 million. That's a significant amount of people with COVID. It's similar to the flu. If you study the numbers in 2017 and 2018, we had 50 to 60 million with the flu. And we had, uh, we had a similar death rate. In the deaths in the United States were 43,545. Similar to the flu of 2017-2018. We, we always have between 37 and 60,000 deaths in the United States every single year. No pandemic talk, no shelter in place, no shutting down of businesses, no sending doctors home. That's from the flu, by the way, just to clarify. Yeah. 37,000 and 60,000 flu deaths every year 30, per the CDC. Due to flu. Due to flu. Okay. In the United States. Some years, it's even as low as 20,000 some year. In 2017, 2018, it was 45 to 50,000, depending on who you read. And we don't necessarily report all of our flu tests. We do thousands of flu tests every year. We don't report every one because the flu is ubiquitous. And to that note, we have a flu vaccine. How many people even get the flu vaccine? The flu is dangerous. It kills people. So just because you have a vaccine doesn't mean it's going to be everywhere. And it doesn't mean everyone's going to take it because we see every year that we have a vaccine and I would say probably 50% of the public doesn't even want it. So just because you have a vaccine, unless you force it on the public, doesn't mean they're going to take it. Um, I want to compare the U.S. to Spain, because Spain is number two uh, in the race for the most cases, which is not a race we want to win. They had 204,178 cases in Spain, 930,000 total tests. So we did 4 million, they did 930,000. They had a 22% of all COVID tests were positive in Spain. 22% of those tested were positive in Spain. Spain has 47 million people. So that equates to about 10 million cases. If we extrapolate the data as we've been doing with every state, gives us about 10 million cases. How many died in Spain? 21,282 out of 47 million. You have a 0.05 a 0 chance of dying from COVID as a citizen of Spain and a 90% chance of recovery from COVID without being on a vent, without being in a hospital. I wanted to compare the U.S. to Spain because we're the two, we, have the two, we have the most amount of cases globally. So I, th I thought that was important. And then when you, when you bring up a system of lockdown, you automatically have to compare it to a system of no lockdown, Sweden and Norway. I'm, I'm Norwegian. Norway has lockdown. Norway has lockdown. Sweden does not have lockdown. What happened in those two countries? Are they vastly different? Did Sweden have a massive outbreak of cases? Did Norway have nothing? Let's look at the numbers. Sweden. Sweden has 15,322 cases of COVID. Uh, they, have, they did 74,600 tests, which is 21%, similar to the other countries, 21% of all those tested came up positive for COVID. What's the population of Sweden? About 10.4 million. Uh, so if we extrapolate out the data, 
about 2 million cases of COVID in Sweden. They did a little bit of social distancing. They would wear masks and separate. They went to schools. Stores were open. They were almost about their normal daily life with a little bit of social distancing. They had how many deaths? 1,765. California's had 1,220 with isolation. No isolation, 1,765. We have more people. What I'm getting at is millions of cases, very small death. Millions of cases, very small death. This is what we're seeing everywhere. Norway, its next door neighbor. This is where I come from. These are two Scandinavian nations. We can compare them as they are similar. Let's look at the data. Norway, 7,191 cases of COVID. Total COVID tests, 145,279. So they came up with 4.9% of all COVID tests were positive in Norway. Population of Norway, 5.4 million. So if we extrapolate the data as we've been doing, which is the best we can do at this point, they have about 1.3 million cases. Now their deaths as a total number were 182, fairly small, but statistically insignificant from 1700, you realize. Millions of cases, small amount of deaths. 1700, 100, these are statistically insignificant. So you have a 0.003 chance of death as a citizen of Norway and a 97% recovery. Their numbers are a little bit better. Does it necessitate shutdown, loss of jobs, destruction of the oil company, furloughing doctors? That's the question I have for you. And I think the answer is going to be increasingly clear as we move through this data. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about is uh, the effects of COVID-19, the secondary effects. COVID-19 is one aspect of our health sector. What has it caused to have us be involved in social isolation? What has is it, what is it caused uh, that, the, that we are seeing the community respond to? Child molestation is increasing at a severe rate. We could go over multiple cases of children who have been molested due to angry family members who are intoxicated, who are home, who have no paycheck. These things last a lifetime. This isn't about a seasonal flu. These are things that will follow these people and affect them in a negative fashion for their life. And these are secondary effects from COVID. And these are for me talking to ERs, talking to my doctors, and talking to people across the country and finding out what they're seeing. Spousal abuse. We see people coming in here with black eyes and cuts on their face. It's an obvious abuse of case. These are things that will affect them for a lifetime, not for a season. Alcoholism, anxiety, depression, suicide. I talked to uh, the, the, the um, Donnie Youngblood and various people in the community. I've asked them, how are things going? Suicide is spiking. Education has dropped off. Economic collapse. Medical industry, we're all suffering because our staff isn't here and we have no volume. These are all real things that I'm seeing every day. I don't, I don't read about this stuff. I'm seeing it in my clinics. We have clinics from Fresno to San Diego, and these things are spiking in our community. These things will affect people for a lifetime, not for a season. So let's, let's make sure we're clear on that. So we've gone over the secondary effects. We've gone over the statistics. Now I want to compare flu virus. Is this significantly different? And I just got a little bit of data here. Um, so deaths uh, per the CDC, 24,000 to 62,000 deaths each year. Um, we get about, we had uh, about 45 million total cases in 2017 with about 62,000 deaths or a 0.13 
chance of death from flu in the United States. As you know, our other numbers were 0.02. So the lethality of, of COVID-19 is much less. Now you've got hotbeds of it in New York, but again, we went over the numbers, 0.1% chance of death. Widespread, small amount of deaths. It's similar to flu, as a matter of fact. If we follow the science, as we've been asked to do, I'm following the science. This data is generated by the CDC, World Health Organization. The testing is generated by what we have done here. So we are following the science. Now I want to talk about the immune system. Uh, Dr. Masihi used to teach for immunology. We both had years of microbiology, biochemistry, and virology studies. We've made it our life's work to understand this stuff. And here, I'd like to go over some basic things about how the immune system functions so people have a good understanding. The immune system is built by exposure to antigens, viruses, bacteria. When you're a little child crawling on the ground, putting stuff in your mouth, viruses and bacteria come in, you form an antigen antibody complex, you form IgG, IgM, this is how your immune system is built. You don't take a small child, put them in bubble wrap in a room and say, go have a healthy immune system. This is immunology, microbiology 101. This is not something, this is the basis of what we've known for years. Um, so what I'm seeing is when you take human beings and you say, go into your house, clean all your counters, Lysol them down, you're going to kill 99% of viruses and bacteria, wear a mask, don't go outside. What does that do to our immune system? Our immune system is used to touching. We share bacteria, staphylococcal, streptococcal bacteria, viruses. We develop an immune response daily to this stuff. When you take that away from me, my immune system drops. As I shelter in place, my immune system drops. You keep me there for months, it drops more. And now I'm at home hand washing vigorously, washing the counters, worried about things that are indeed what I need to survive. Let's follow the science. This is immunology, folks. This is microbiology. This is what we've combined together. We have 40 years of experience in this. This is common sense immunology. So quarantining and social distancing is worse for us, you're saying? It decreases your immune system. You, you can't build an immune system by... If, if someone has a, a reduced immune system, you, you hide them away because they can't build an immune system. If you have a normal functioning immune system, you need interaction. The, the, when a child's in a womb, you're in this protected environment. When you come out, you have almost no immune system. You develop that through touching your mouth, touching your eyes, virus, bacteria, virus, bacteria, immune response, IgG, IgM. This is how you build a strong immune system. Do you think people are worrying too much? Of course they are, but that's, that's from media telling them to. I am telling them sheltering in place decreases your immune system. And then as we all come out of shelter in place with a lower immune system and start trading viruses and bacteria, what do you think is going to happen? Disease is going to spike. And then you've got disease spike amongst a hospital system with furloughed doctors and nurses. This is not the combination we want to set up for a healthy society. So it doesn't make any sense. Again, I'm going through the numbers. I'm not saying who's wrong or right. I'm going through the science and through the numbers. And I, like you, have been watching media and studying this for two months, night and day. I go to bed at 2 or 3 in the morning. Every day I read after my shift and I say, what's going on here? I'm not, a, I'm not in an ivory tower. I'm in seeing patients every day and I'm collecting my own data. I didn't have data two months ago. I just shared my data. 6.5% of all patients we tested are positive. That's actual, unfiltered, non-political data. That was Dr. Dan Erickson from Accelerated Urgent Care in Bakersfield, California. 
speaking to the current pandemic, its effect on the local and state community, and what he believes is a more accurate assessment of the coronavirus pandemic. This has been Post-COVID-19, your source for all things coronavirus. I'm Jim Watkins. Follow us online for the latest news and our podcast archives at candidlyspeaking.net.